Welcome to the Finding Clarity Podcast, featuring Dr. George Cannon. This podcast is a ministry of the Kerbinsville Christian Church. Finding Clarity seeks to answer your questions about Christianity. Here's George as he looks at this week's question. Welcome to the Finding Clarity Podcast. This is George Cannon, and you are listening to Episode 50. The Finding Clarity Podcast is a podcast ministry of the Kerwinsville Christian Church where we seek to answer questions that you might have about Christianity and the Christian life. So each week we host a podcast to answer a question that somebody has asked us or that has been asked to them about Christianity. So this week we're going to kind of piggyback off of last week's question in which we talked about the armor of God, this week we're going to naturally answer the question concerning what is spiritual warfare? What is spiritual warfare? And the reason why we're going to answer that question is, is because last week we looked and we read a passage from Ephesians chapter 6 where the Apostle Paul talked about that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness, of spiritual darkness. So, obviously, we're in some kind of a conflict, and we often hear the term used, spiritual warfare. So, we're going to look at that question today. First thing, as we look at this question, I'm going to talk about, really, just briefly, the the present attitude among Christians in North America concerning the issue of spiritual warfare. First of all, you kind of see that people kind of swing to one extreme or the other when it comes to the issue of spiritual warfare. On one hand, you have folks that are just plain totally ignorant of spiritual warfare. They are totally ignorant of the fact that we as believers live in a spiritual world as well as a physical world, and that there are spiritual forces of wickedness, fallen angels or demons, who are basically working against us or trying to harm us. And they're basically ignorant of that. Secondly, on the other hand then, at the other end of the extreme, are those who basically see a demon under every rock. In fact, they they refer to every problem with regards to a demon. There's a demon of cigarettes. There's a demon of envy. There's a demon of jealousy. There's a demon of cancer. And so they're looking and they see everything as spiritual warfare. And what we want to do is, is we want to recognize that there is spiritual warfare, but we want to be balanced in our approach. And the way to being balanced is to see what the scripture says. So if we're going to have a proper perspective about the reality of spiritual warfare, we really need to go back to the scriptures and we're going to go back to the passage that I mentioned earlier, Ephesians chapter 6. In verse 10, Paul writes, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness in this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, 
that you may be able with, to withstand in the evil day, having and having done all to stand. So right off the bat, we're going to see here that you and I are engaged in a spiritual conflict that is going on around us. We're not just wrestling against other human beings who are trying to harm us or who oppose us because we're believers in Jesus Christ. We are wrestling, we are in a struggle against spiritual hosts of wickedness. That's basically referring to fallen angels, demons who are opposed to God's people. We're in the midst of a spiritual battle. Now, what I need you to understand then is, as we have that proper perspective and we want to stand, how do we engage in this spiritual battle? Well, I think we need to go now to another verse of Scripture, which helps us to understand what we need to do. We need to be balanced in our approach, and we also need to have understanding. In Paul's letter to the Corinthians, actually his second letter to the Corinthians, if you go to chapter 2, I, I want you to think about what he says in verse 11. It's kind of an offhand statement, but it says so much. Listen to what he says. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Think about what he's saying. They don't want Satan to take advantage of them. And because of that, they are not ignorant. They're not unaware of his devices. They're not unaware of how Satan attacks them. So if we're going to talk about handling being in this issue of spiritual warfare. We've already talked about the armor of God that we're to put on, the basic biblical truths that we're to equip ourselves with. Now he's telling us we need to kind of be aware of how Satan attacks us. So that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time here in our discussion uh, concerning this question. So how does this spiritual warfare take place? Well, I'm not going to give you an exhaustive list of how he attacks us, because there are many ways, but I'm going to basically break it up into two groups. What Satan does for against the believer, and what Satan does against the unbeliever. So I'm just going to mention a few things here that are very clear from the scripture. So let's talk about it. How does Satan attack a believer? How does he attack you and I? And basically, there are three things that he does, and they build on each other, and I need you to recognize them. The first thing that Satan does, as far as his attack of us, is that he tempts the believer to sin. He tempts the believer to sin. And we see that throughout the scripture. In fact, we've seen that in the life of Jesus where in the earlier part of the Gospels, the Spirit leads him into the wilderness where he he's basically fasting for 40 days and Satan comes and tempts him. And I want you to notice how he tempts us. I want you to notice how he tempts us. The Apostle John writes in his first letter, 1 John, in chapter 2, listen to what he says in verse 15, and verse 16, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, which is not 
of the Father, but is of the world. So he's basically showing us three areas of temptation. If you take those definitions there, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and you go to the temptations of Christ, there are three of them, you'll see that each one of those temptations fits one of those three things that John is saying. So Satan comes to us and he tempts us. Now, I want you to notice when we looked at Ephesians last week, that what part of our engagement in this spiritual warfare is that we are to pray. But then if you go to the Lord's Prayer, Jesus very clearly tells us that when we pray, we are to pray and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So the first area that we see here of how he attacks us is through temptation. The second area that we see is that he accuses us. For in fact, that is one of the characteristics of Satan. He is the accuser of the brethren. And so when you do give in to temptation, the problem is, is that even though you might find forgiveness and you go to Christ and you ask forgiveness and you claim 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Satan shifts his attack on you, not from temptation now, but to that of accusations. Hey, you must not be a good Christian. Don't you remember what you just did? Are you sure that you're forgiven? Because what you did was pretty awful. If others knew about that, they wouldn't think you were such a great Christian. Are you sure God loves you? He's going to attack you with accusation. The third area of attack with Satan towards believers is very much subtle, but very deadly. It's not the upfront of temptation, and it's not even the upfront that you and I face when we talk about accusations, but this attack is very subtle. What is it? Lies. He deceives us. He is the deceiver. Jesus said he is the father of lies. And what Satan does to attack us is he he gets us to believe lies about God, about our salvation, and about our standing with God in order to remove our hope, in order to defeat us. And this is how Satan attacks believers. Now, Satan also attacks unbelievers. Now you say, well, really, I've never really thought, heard anybody talk about that, George. What do you mean he attacks unbelievers? Well, here's the thing. Satan does not want unbelievers to understand the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, because if he, if they did, they would come to Christ. So here's how he attacks unbelievers. He attacks them. Well, listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 3, he says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. He blinds them to the gospel so that they don't understand and they don't receive the gospel of Christ for salvation. So let's wrap this up. 
The reality is, is that you and I live in a spiritual world. Yes, what we see and sense is physical, but the fact of the matter is, is that we are in a spiritual battle that is going on around us. And the fact of the matter is, is you have an enemy who hates you and who wants to defeat you and who wants to destroy you. And he is going to exercise everything he can against you as God allows him. And and a lot of times the attack is going to be in those three areas. Temptation, accusation, and lies. And like what Paul says, you and I need to be mindful, not ignorant of his devices against us. So we need to have a balanced approach and with that, pray our way through every day and ask God to deliver us from the evil one. The Finding Clarity podcast is a really an opportunity to answer questions that you might have about the Christian life and about Christianity in general. And so each week we try to answer a question here. You might be saying, George, hey, I have a question. How do I get that to you? Well, we have several ways that you can get a question to us. If you attend our church, simply write down your question, throw it in the offering plate, or hand it to me, or talk to me about it, and we'll answer your question here on the podcast. If you don't have a church that you attend, and you live in the Kerwinsville-Clearfield area, we would encourage you to come and and join us for a service here at the Kerwinsville Christian Church. Our morning worship service starts at 1045 on Sunday morning. You don't have to worry about how you dress. We just are encouraged for you to come and to learn about Jesus Christ. You could also get in touch with us by mail if you would like. Maybe you want to ask us about something else that's not for the Finding Clarity podcast, or you just have some questions you might want to ask in general. Maybe you feel led by the Lord to support us financially. You can get in touch with us by writing us at Kerwinsville Christian Church, 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania, 16833. You can also contact us through Facebook. Just simply go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Podcast, and you can message us through that page. We would encourage you to like the page so you can keep up with what's happening on the podcast. Or you can write on our wall, and we'll get your question. You can contact us through our church webpage, KerwinsvilleChristian.org. Just go to the contact page there, type out a question, and we'll be sure to answer your question here on the podcast. Next week, we're going to look at a question that was presented to me this last Sunday, and it has to do with the issue of Bible translations and the fact of, man, there are so many Bible translations. And so this has raised a question concerning the nature of God's Word. So next week, we're going to look at the question, has God's Word changed with so many translations? Has God's Word changed with so many translations? Until next week, take care.